0: Creation Festival, let me hear you make some noise. Come on. You guys doing all right? Yeah. It is a hot one today. I feel like T.D. Jakes up here, man, with my washcloth. Hey, man, I want to come to you guys and just talk for you guys a little bit. Gather in. Can you hear me way back there? I can see you. You got me? All righty. We're going to have some fun. My name's Jason Moppin, and I'm here with the Dignity Revolution team. And um, our mission is to educate and empower youth to stand up for the value of every person. I'm what you call a motivational speaker, okay? I speak in high schools, middle schools, prisons, stuff like that, okay? And I'm just gonna tell you a couple stories. I like to communicate through stories. Is that okay? And then I'll make my stories make sense. Anybody out here, like, actually, I'm gonna start right here. (laughs) You guys out there, I want to talk to you today about life. Anybody, raise your hand, and I want you to scream as loud as you can. Say life. life. There you go. I can hear you now. Say life. life. Say it one more time for your mama. Say life. life. All right. more you give me, the more I'm going to give you. First story for you. Dude, life, here's the deal. Life can be good. Life can be bad. And sometimes life is like an absolute wreck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, One day you're having a good day, the hair's going on, you got your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, everything is good at home. And then the next day, things could just take a turn for the worse and everything could just seem like an absolute wreck. Speaking of wrecks, accidents, I was with my friend, Orion, down at the university in Florida. And you gotta understand something about my friend, Orion. My friend, Orion, he's a a little dude, he's about this tall. He looks like a hobbit. Okay, except without the hairy feet, that's just gross. <laughs> but we heard something this day that still to this day, we can't, I can't get out of my head. Have you ever seen something, heard something, had something happen to you, you can't get out of your head? No matter how hard you try, I heard a noise this day that I still can't get out of my head. It was an accident that happened in the middle of the intersection of our school. This lady, she was going 50 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour speed limit zone. For those that don't drive, that's called speeding, okay? She had the pedal to the metal, and she was flying. She was like, I don't know if she was going through midlife crisis, but she was driving this green soccer mom van, just dropped her kids off at soccer practice, and she was flying. And She comes to this intersection, and she sees a red light. Let me explain, okay? Green means go. Red means stop, and yellow means go faster, okay? (laughs) I'm just joking. Don't do that. What did you learn at Creation Fest? Go through yellow lights. No. Yellow means slow down, okay? So she saw this yellow light. She blazes right through this intersection and she hits this lady in a white Toyota Highlander. Bam! Sends the lady in the white Toyota Highlander spinning off in the middle of the intersection, okay? And this lady goes up onto the median, bends this sign over, and smoke is coming out of her car. It's like And I was a kid, I'm like 18 years old at the time. I was like, yes, (laughs) you know? Every guy likes to see a good wreck. And I creep up on this lady as she's in this car and I don't know what I'm about to see. My heart is pounding. I'm like, what is gonna happen here? You know, it's like, everything's like in slow motion. I go up, this lady, she has bent this sign over. Smoke is coming out of her car, the lady in in the green soccer mom van. The lady in the white Toyota Highlander, she spun out in the middle of the intersection. My friend, Orion the Hobbit, he runs over to the lady in the white Toyota Highlander. She gets out of the car. She's like, what happened? My friend Orion's like, you almost died, lady. <laughs> and that leaves me to go to the lady in the green soccer mom van. And I don't know what I'm about to see. Never be the first person on the scene of an accident. I saw this lady, and her window is down. And my heart is racing. Her heart, she's like, I go, ma'am, are you okay? And the steering wheel was jammed down on her waist. She couldn't even see anything below her waist. The airbag was all deployed. It's all up in her grill. You know, she's trying to push this thing down. And I'm, I go, ma'am, are you okay? She goes, yeah, I'm just a little shaken up. But she was far from okay. Sometimes in life, you're going so fast through life, you don't know you're hurting, you know? And this lady, she had no idea she was hurting. And I looked down and I saw the most disturbing thing I've ever seen in my life, okay? Let me give you a little, a little analogy here, the little biology lesson for you. Your femur bone is the largest bone in the human body. It runs between your knee and your hip, okay? It's also the hardest bone to break, she hit this lady with such impact because she was not obeying the warning signs that she shatters her left femur bone and it's shooting out of her leg. I look down, I see this, her, the bones like coming out of her leg, it's causing to push her jeans up like this, okay? I just wanted to push that thing back down. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> I don't do well with blood, you know? You're supposed to calm people down. Like when they're in a, in a bad situation, a crisis situation, you're not supposed to alarm them of the situation. You're supposed to calm them down. I don't care if their neck gets broken. You're supposed to look at them and say, everything is fine, excuse me, why I throw up, right? But I looked at this lady, and instead of calming her down, I said, oh my gosh, lady, your femur bone is shooting out of your leg. And she was like, ah! And I was like, ah! And my friend, Orion, was like, ah! You know? And then I looked down even further, and I noticed this lady's ankle is twisted sideways and the bone is coming out the bottom of her foot. Yeah, for real, stop it, stop it. Stop it, fat man, stop. I looked down, I saw, that it was messed up, man. I, so I, what did I do? The only thing I knew how to do, I freaked out. I panicked, never panicked. I panicked, I said, ma'am, you think that is bad? You should take a look at your ankle bone. And she was like, ah! And I was like, ah! My friend, you know what Orion was doing, right? Eh, <laughs> it was messed up, man, like, I don't know why this lady couldn't just obey the warning signs. So then I tried to calm her down. You can't calm someone down after you just alarmed them of their situation. You know, what am I gonna say? Lady, it's gonna be okay. They'll probably take you to the hospital, amputate both your legs, you'll be getting around on a skateboard in no time, you know? You're gonna love hills, you know? (laughs) It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. My friend, Orion, he's over there with a lady in the white Toyota Highlander helping out. If this lady would just obey the warning signs, everything would have been good. But because she didn't, not only does she getting up hurting herself, but she hurts up someone else too. Anybody out here, like you have a dream, you wanna do something great, second story for you, And then you'll understand after my third story why I'm telling you this. Anybody here out here wanna do something great with your life? You have a plan to do something great. You gotta have purpose, man. Without vision, you fail. When there's no purpose, you'll fail. You got to have purpose. It gets, it's what gets you out of bed in the morning, you know. It's what put, makes you put one foot in front of the other. Dude, growing up, I wanted to uh, be a professional football player. And I went to my dad, and I was, I was the biggest cl- kid in my class of two. I was a chubby little booger, okay. And I went to my dad, and um, I said, hey, dad, I want to go play football. So he took me to the Pop Warner League, now, the Pop Warner League is a league outside of school for students who don't have sports in their school, okay? So you hone in your skills, you get better, so then you can play for your school if you're good enough. So he takes me to the Pop Warner League, and we get there, and I, I thought I was going to be all the, be put on a team according to my age, and like I said, I was a big dude for my age. But they don't put you on a team according to age, they put you on a team according to your weight, and that wasn't good for me. Because <laughs> like I said, I was a chubby little booger, Okay. And they make you stand on this scale. And whatever the scale says, that's the team you, st- you, go, you go with. So I stand on the scale. The scale says fat. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, no way, man. They put me on the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs were the meanest, baddest team in the league, man. I swear these people had rabies. They were all older than me. I was 13 at the time. These guys, some guys I was playing with were 16 years old. I was the littlest kid on the team. I thought I was going to be the biggest. My pa- helmet was too big. My pads were too big. My pants would fall down to my ankles when I ran. you get beat up for stuff like that. <laughs> my coach, he had a real raspy voice, okay, and he called me by my last name. My last name's Moppin, Jason Moppin. He's like, Moppin. He's cross-eyed too, so it was really scary. <laughs> He's like, Moppin, I want you to go out there and rip somebody's throat out. He was crazy. I was like, how does one go about doing that, coach? That sounds messy. <laughs> so I was on special teams, okay. I was on receiving team. He wanted me to go out there and block. Every time I stepped on that field, there was this one guy, dude. Let me explain. This guy, he was the biggest guy on the team. He had a beard. You're not supposed to have a beard when you're 13 years old, okay? He was the meanest, baddest guy on the team. He was drooling, he looked like Shrek. And he's standing across from me. And every time as we stepped on the field, every time as we stepped on the field, he looked at me and he's like, mopping. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> you wanna go get a soda after practice? <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna kill you. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, right, see you later. So dude, I, I, like, I didn't know what to do. I was locked up with fear. Have you ever been afraid before? I was so afraid, man. I just stood there, I didn't know what to do. And um, the, I, he's like 20 yards away, 10 yards away, five yards away, and all of a sudden he hits me. And I'm like, Poof, oh yeah. And I don't remember this guy's name because he hit me so hard. So today we're gonna, we're gonna call him adversity. Everybody say adversity, Say it again. Say adversity. Adversity Adversity stood in my way from greatness. I wanted to be, that was my dream, to become a professional football player. But adversity stood in my way. It was gonna take hard work, dedication, and I didn't know if I had that in me. Every time I stepped on the field, this guy would do the same thing. mopping. I'm gonna kill you. And I'm like, this is not fun. I was the tackling dummy for the team, Okay. No longer was this my dream. This guy hit me so hard in practice one time. He spun my helmet around. I was looking out the left ear hole of my helmet, okay? I thought I, thought I went blind in my right eye. I was like, I'm blind, coach, I'm blind. My coach straightens my helmet. He's like, you're not blind, Moppin, you're stupid. Thanks, coach, I appreciate it. So one day I stepped on the field and I got tired of it, man. Every, every person inside of them, you get, you get sick and tired of being the tackling dummy sometimes in life. And there comes what I call a but one day moment in your life where you have to stand up against adversity, against the odds. And I remember I looked at this guy, Shrek, adversity, we're gonna call him today. And he looked at me, said the same thing he always said, "Mopin, I'm gonna kill you. And I looked back, smallest kid on the team. Like I said, my helmet was too big, pads were too big, pants would fall down on my ankles when I ran, it's not fun. I looked back at him and I said, bring it on. And then after I said that, I was like, what did I just do? This guy's gonna kill me. And I remember I ran at that guy as hard as he was running at me. You say, Jason, why'd you do that? Because my coach, he told me one time, he said, he knew I was afraid of this guy. He said, Jason, moppin', if you run at that guy as hard as he's running at you, it won't hurt. <laughs> he lied to me. <laughs> Dude, I ran at that guy with everything in my might, man. I was like, hey, hey, hey he. And right before I hit him, I closed my eyes. I'm like, I'm dead. dead." I hit him, boom. I saw Tweety Birds. You know, everything went black. I was like, this is it. I'm coming home to meet you, Jesus, you know? All of a sudden, I opened my eyes. To my amazement, I am standing over Shrek, okay? I'm like, this is awesome. So I did whatever young gentleman should do. I looked at him, and I was like, oh, yeah, what's up? Did a little Victor dance around his head, one of those little Irish dances, you know? (laughs) third story for you. Anybody in here, you have an older sibling out here. Anybody have an older sibling? Okay, clap for me if this statement is true, only if you think it's true. The only reason that I believe that older siblings are here on this planet is to make their younger siblings' lives miserable. If you believe that, clap your hands. That's right. Come on. Wave that hanky. Yeah. Oh, for real, man. 90% of the, what's crazy is 90% of the people that are out there clapping their older siblings—they're like, yeah, poke his or her eye out, turn it into Jello, you know? Dude, my older brother—he was evil. Now, there's a difference between evil and evil. My brother was evil, as in fruits of the devil. Okay? We used to watch WWE wrestling back in the day. Now you don't even know. I'm, t- I'm not. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Had nothing on these guys, man. I'm talking Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. You know, all these guys, man, that we admired. My brother really admired him. I wanted to be like my brother. So I watched the program with him. But I would learn to leave five minutes before the show was over. Because my brother would get this weird sadistic look in his eye that everything he saw in the tube, he wanted to try out on me. <laughs> and when you're three years old, your foot will still fit in your mouth, right? So I would run and I would hide underneath my bed. Say, Jason, why would you hide underneath your bed? Because that was the only place that I would fit, okay? <laughs> he would find me every single time. Say, Jason, why did he find you every single time? Because I hid in the same place every single time. <laughs> Dude, he grabbed me out, pulled me out from underneath the bed, proceeded to drive my head into the corner of the cabinet. <laughs> I went to my mom. Most moms are geniuses, they have solutions to problems, right? My mom, her solution to this, I looked at my mom, I said, Mom, my brother's gonna give me Dane Bramage. You need to help me. She's like, dang, Bramage, you already got it. (laughs) You know, so her solution was, she took my brother and I to the mall. And she was gonna buy my brother and I two life-size stuffed animals, okay? These stuffed animals were the same height as us. And her reasoning behind this was, she thought my brother would beat up on the stuffed animal instead of beating up on Jason. But she was wrong. (laughs) Because my my brother, like the stuffed animal didn't scream like Jason Moppin screamed, you know? And that's what my brother lived for. They didn't have build the Bear back in the day. Insert Jason scream. Ah! <laughs> you know. So my brother, man, like he would pound on me all the time, but my mom, she got my brother this big old bunny rabbit. Big floppy-eared bunny rabbit, man. This thing had two big floppy ears and this nasty fur, and I swear it had like red eyes and would follow me when I walked. Dude, I'm still scared of the Easter bunny to this day because of that stupid rabbit that my brother had with that buck teeth, you know what I'm saying? It is. The Easter bunny is creaky. I like you already. We connect, all right? Man, but Easter bunny is creepy, man. My, but my mom got me the cutest stuffed animal you've ever seen in your life, man. Check this out. This, this stuffed animal had a blue upper torso, gray lower body, two gray suspenders, two black beady eyes, and I named him Max. Everybody say Max. Say it again. Say Max. Max. If you say it one more time, he's going to walk out on stage. No, I'm just joking. Can you imagine that? What's up? (laughs) Dude, Max, I loved Max, man. You know why I like Max? Because he didn't call me stupid like my brother did. Matter of fact, Max didn't talk at all because if he did, that would be creepy. And I would take him out and put him underneath the lawnmower and be like, see you later, Max. (laughs) Max, dude, he was my best friend. He was my homie. I'd take him, I'd play play with him in the sandbox, and um, I'd rub sand in his eyes. I'm like, this is what my brother does to me. You like it? Kind of scratchy, you know? And then after a while, Max, like when my mom first bought Max, dude, she, he was perfect. But through life, I dragged him through this life and he became broken and became torn. He became messed up, ripped up, jacked up. All the definitions I can give you for, for tattered and torn. Instead of having two grace suspenders, Max began to have one grace suspender. You know why? Because I ripped the other one off. <laughs> I was like, like new kids on the block thing back in the day, okay? <laughs> tell my age right there. <laughs> Instead of having two black BDIs, Max began to have one black BDI. You know why? Because I wanted to see what he'd look like as a pirate, you know, I ripped his other eyeball off. <laughs> Army matey Max, you know? And then Max got this nasty little slit in his left bare buttock, He's coming out all of my mom's house. My mom likes a tidy house, so she comes to me, she goes, Jason, Max is sick, okay? She knew I wouldn't give up my best friend. I said, why are you playing with my emotions, (laughs) you know? So she takes Max from me and she says she's gonna fix him. Me being that I have ADD, I forgot about Max, okay? Years go by until I finally find Max my freshman year in college and Max is still tattered and torn and broken and bought back all these memories, okay? Say, Jason, why do you tell me a story about this wreck, the lady you saw with the femur bone? And why do you tell me a story about this guy named adversity on your football team why do you tell me a story about this bear there's two reasons okay one it's funny and i like to laugh okay you'll understand why in a minute the second reason is you got to understand my past in order to get anything from my talk right now okay and the best way i can explain it to you is is this have you have you ever played cards before you guys play cards the only card game i know this is the only card guy i only know one card game texas holdem you guys know texas holdem okay So for most of you, you probably know how to play the game, but for those that don't, let me explain, okay? You have a dealer, he deals you a hand. You can't choose your hand, because if you could choose your hand, you would choose a royal straight flush. And that hand beats all other hands, okay? I'm 36 years old, I have never gotten a royal straight flush in all my times of playing Texas Hold'em. Never gotten a royal straight flush. That's the best hand you can get. If you ever get a royal straight flush, you go all in. You bet the farm. Okay, no pun intended, where we're at. <laughs> I sell my cow, <laughs> you know. For real, you gotta go all in. The worst hand you can have in Texas Hold'em is the instructions of the game. <laughs> That's not good. You're like, uh-uh, <laughs> You have this dealer, he deals you this hand. In Texas Hold'em, he puts three cards face up. He gives you two cards. You have to play your two cards against the three cards. The best hand wins. You have three options in the game of Texas Hold'em. You can play your hand to the best of your ability, no matter if you have a bad hand and you, know, you wanna make lemonade out of lemons type of thing. You gotta do something with the hand that you've been dealt. You can fold, but if you fold, that means you quit. And that's no fun, uh, no one likes to quit. And the last thing you can do is you can bluff. And that's what most people do that play the game. It's, it's pretending you have a better hand than you actually do. And I started thinking about that, man. Do you know that's the same way life is? Like we're born into this world, we can't choose our hand. We can't choose our mom, we can't choose our dad, we can't choose our our siblings. If we could, we would probably choose differently, right? You know. But the things and the choices we do have in this life, we need to make the best of and we have three options just like in the game of in the game of Texas Hold'em, we have three options in the game of life. You could play your hand to the best of your ability, no matter what hand you've been dealt. A lot of you are doing this. You're making the best you can of what you've been dealt. The second thing you can do is sad. That's fold. And you know, I've been doing this 15 years and that's the saddest thing in my job. I hate going into a school or a prison or any place, a community where someone has folded their hand because they don't like the life that they live. And the third thing you can do is bluff. Bluffing is pretending you have a better life than you actually do. I call it wearing a mask, okay? And that mask, it covers up our insecurities. That mask covers up our failures. It covers up our fears. It covers up who we really are, you know? We don't want anybody to see the hand that we really have because if they do, they might try to take what we have. And we work hard for what we get in life. So we don't want to reveal our hand, you know? That mask, it covers up our insecurities, our failures, our fears, who we really are deep down inside. Can I do something so you can get something out of this today? Can I take off my mask and show you who I really am? Can I make my stories make sense to you? Is that okay? But I got to trust you, creation. I got to be able to trust you with my pain that I'm about to tell you. Is that okay? Can I trust you with that? All right. I I believe I can. Okay. I'm going to take off my mask. Can you imagine if I just like ripped off my face right now? I was like, ah! (laughs) Sorry. That's my my ADD. (laughs) All right. Here's my mask. You can't see my mask, but I can. You don't know what it represents yet, but I do. I'm going to put my mask right here, okay? Here it is. Here's my hand. I don't have a royal straight flush, never did. I have the instructions of the game. I grew up in a home where my father was abusive. My dad would come home, he would beat on my brother and I, tell us how worthless we were, what nobodies we were. And then he said one day, thing I'll never forget said, Jason, one of these days, you're going to be just like me. Because his father was like him and his father was like him. It was a generational curse in my family. I know what it's like to go to bed at night, cry yourself to sleep because you don't feel like anybody cares. I got to be honest with you because I'm not wearing my mask. I wish I could just come up here and make you laugh and you guys be like, that guy's cool. But I got to make you think. I know what it's like to go to bed and cry yourself to sleep because you don't feel like anybody cares. I know what it's like to look in a mirror and not like what you see having no value as a kid because your whole life your father's told you you're, you're worthless or you're a nobody. Because of this, I would walk, look at the ground. I had a stuttering problem. That stuttering problem. Now I travel the world and speak for a living. Go figure. My dad would beat on my brother and I and then he said, one of these days you're gonna be just like me. And I also know what it's like to go to a place like this and put a smile on my face Or go to school or go to work, put a smile on my face and act like everything's okay because you just don't want anybody to know your hand that you've been dealt. But I'm tired of secrets, man. I'm tired of our world living with these secrets. You know, vulnerability is true strength. Did you know that? We live in the day and age where you have these, these people that have millions and millions of dollars that are killing themselves because they're so empty inside. They're so broken their bear is so broken and ripped up. Their life is a wreck. And they got tired of facing adversity, you know? So they just folded their hand. My brother, he dealt with his pain differently than I did. You know, just because you uh, you go through a a time like I did as a kid doesn't mean you're going to do these things, but people deal with pain differently. And I, I don't fault you for what, how you deal with your pain. I don't fault you. For how you stitch up your bear, okay? There's a lot of stitch kits out there in life that the world says that can help you, like money and uh, fame and and liquor and you know drugs and you know women and guys. All these things that the world, the the enemy, likes to offer us to say that we can fix ourselves. But those things just, those just break. That bear just keeps breaking back open, you know. My brother, he um, he dealt with his pain through drugs. He started doing drugs when he was 14 years old. He got high before school, during school, after school. He said when he was high, it made the pain go away. But when he came down off that high, he had to get high again. After a while, marijuana wasn't enough. He started doing ecstasy and drinking alcohol. He was an alcoholic by the time he was 21 years old. My brother's a good looking dude, man. He's a smart individual. Real good-looking guy, man. He has a six-pack. I, I got a keg. <laughs> I work hard for this, man. I do one sit-up every day. I wake up in the morning, and I lay down at night, all right? My brother, though, man, he um, went to a major university, reputable university. He had a major in business, minor in music, but he blew it all up his nose on a drug called cocaine. He was at a party one time, and his friend said, man, I don't have cocaine, but I have this other drug. It's called crystal meth. My brother said when he did this drug, it felt like he had stole his soul. Snatched everything from him. It wasn't long before my brother started stealing, dropped out of school, his fiance left him, and he was facing 10 years in prison. I went and I spoke to my brother through one of those little phones through the bulletproof glass, you know, like you see on the movies. He was in an orange jumpsuit, only recognized by a number, and I said, bro, how did you get here? How did you get here, man? It's hard looking at someone you love, seeing them at rock bottom. I said, bro, how did you get here? He said, man, Jason, I thought I could handle it. I thought I could handle it. There's a book I read one time called Leadership and Self-Deception. In this book, there's a quote by a Native American named Black Elk. He says, it's in the darkness of our eyes that we become lost. Did you hear what I just said? It's in the darkness of our eyes that we become lost. Picture there's a doorway right here, okay? On this side, there's light. On this side, there's darkness. And a lot of times, because of our brokenness, we walk into that darkness, and we look back, and we can still see the light, so we think we're okay, but we keep walking into that darkness till all of a sudden we walk back. and we, we look back. We can't even see the light anymore, and we find ourselves lost in this darkness. And you know what I'm here to do Today. I came all the way from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to if you allow me to, if you raise your mask up just enough, I'll come into your darkness, grab your hand and help lead you out. Because everybody needs a friend. That no matter what their story is, people accept you. I've been doing this 15 years, I've traveled to eight different countries, 44 different states, and did you know, no matter what race people are, no matter what gender, no matter what language they speak. Did you know most people want two things? I found out in 15 years that people just want two things. You know what they are? They want to be accepted and they want to be loved. That's it. And you're no different. You're no different. I'm no different. For me, my mask was suicide. My brother, his mask was drugs. There was a kid in Michigan. I didn't understand his pain, the way he stitched up his bear, but. Just because I don't understand someone's pain doesn't mean I make fun of them. For some reason, when I'm vulnerable with students like this, they feel like they can be vulnerable with me. So this kid comes down out of the bleachers. He was a sophomore in high school. He had these long sleeves on. He says, Jason, can I tell you my pain? Can I take off my mask? I said, yeah, bro, absolutely. He takes off his mask, and he raises up his sleeves, and you could see these little tiny cut marks on his arm from the base of his wrist to the top of his shoulder blade. He raises up his other sleeve, more cut marks. I said, bro, why do you do this? He said, Jason, it hurts so bad, I just want the pain to stop. And right then I could identify with his pain. This brother would take a razor blade and cut himself because when he cut himself, it made the pain go away in his heart temporarily. He had scars all over his body. I didn't understand the way he did this. I don't condone it, I don't think it's right, but that's the world that I live in of students that I speak to. I wish it was all pretty, but it's not. I see a lot of wrecks, man. People that face adversity, people that are trying to stitch up their bears with the things of life, but those stitches just break back open again. When I was 13 years old, man, I stood at the top of a four-story parking garage. I was ready to end my life. If I was gonna grow up and treat my kids the way he, my dad treated me, I didn't wanna live. I can't explain it. I just had no hope. And I remember standing on this parking garage and my mom, she was, my mom was, the best way I can describe it, my mom was the face of Jesus in my life before I could see the face of Jesus, if that makes sense. My mom had lupus when I was a kid. Lupus is an immune deficiency disease. Every cold that came around she got, she was very sick and always on her deathbed, man. She was my hope. And she would always tell me, she would say, Jesus, Jason, trust in Jesus, baby. He loves you. Call me baby. Jason, trust in Jesus, baby. He loves you. He cares for you. He'll make everything right. And I shook my head, yes, to my mom, but what, I gotta be honest with you. When I left the room, I shook my fist at God. I was very angry with God because I thought to myself, if God loved me, why am I going through this right now? I was on top of this four-story parking garage and I remember my mom In my head, as I'm standing there, tears rolling down my face, as I'm talking to you right now, I could hear my mom's voice going, trust in Jesus, baby, he loves you. There was a war going on. There was a war going on in my soul. Now, I remember for the first time in my life, I reached my hand up to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real, but I need you right now because if you don't show yourself to me, I'm gonna fold my hand. I don't recommend that to anybody, by the way, but I was at a moment of desperation. Standing on a parking garage, that is. (laughs) I remember Christ speaking to my heart that day. You know what he said? He said, Jason, I love you, I care about you. If you get off this ledge, I'll make everything okay. That's all I needed, my man, that's all I needed. I got off that ledge, was everything a bed of roses? No. But I read in his word that I had a friend that stuck closer than a brother, that he would never leave me, he would never forsake me. Micah 7, 8, do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord himself will be my light. And I began to memorize scripture and I began to let it filter my life and my soul. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And all of a sudden I began to raise my head and walk with confidence knowing that God had a purpose for my life. That I didn't have to fold my head. I didn't have to walk through this life aimlessly with no purpose. That I had value. He showed me that I had value. And that's why I love Jesus. Because he loved me when no one else loved me. He cared for me when no one else cared for me. He gave me value. Second thing he gave me was courage. He gave me courage to reach out and ask for help. Do you know it's really hard sometimes to ask for help because we feel like everybody's got everything together. I read an article the other day about Facebook depression. This talked about how people that have Facebook accounts and social media accounts are more prone to depression than people that don't. You know why, two reasons. They spend more time on it than they wanted to and they feel guilty for it. And the second reason is they see everybody's highlight reel. They see how this person is in the Bahamas and this person's wife is the best ever. And they see this person just bought a new Harley and this person just bought a new house and they think their life really stinks. But did you know no one ever post on their Facebook that their father was abusive, their brother's a methamphetamine addict, that their mother has lupus or that they were suicidal? You look at my Facebook and be like, man, this guy's speaking at Creation Festival. On Monday, I go to Tucson, Arizona. Man, this guy's got a pretty cool life. I go to Ireland twice a year and I speak. You don't want the past that I had. You want the blessing. You got to go through the fire to get the blessing. You got to persevere. You gotta have stamina. You gotta be able to look adversity in the face and say, bring it on! And then run at it with everything inside you. And then the next day, you gotta do it again. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. But realizing that you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Everywhere I go, man, I finish by saying this. Somebody, if you don't get anything this whole weekend, please get this. Somebody loves you. Somebody cares about you. And today it's me. I love you. I care about you. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But it doesn't matter. There's always hope, my man. There's always hope, my girl. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. I got a friend I want to introduce you to here. Help here. Eugene, would you mind coming up here, man? Thank you. Eugene. Everybody give it up for Eugene. Eugene, Eugene is a part of the Dignity Revolution team. He speaks in schools as well. There you go, man. You got it. You to unplug something. We're all going to die. <laughs> all right. Just hold that. There you go. Some of you guys, let me tell you something, man. Some of you guys are going a million miles down the highway of your life, and you know what I am today? I'm your big warning sign blinking, saying, slow down. It's not always about the destination, y'all. It's about the journey it takes to get to the destination. So your warning light, slow down, all right? Grab this jersey down here. Actually, let me grab this guy real quick. What's up? (laughs) this dude's old man I hardly ever bring this guy out because it's real personal to me it means a lot but uh, you guys are special to me this is Max and um, he's about 33 years old and he's still no eyes and one suspender and got stuffing coming out all over him some of you guys might feel like this You might feel broken. You might feel battered. You might feel confused. But I'm here today to tell you if I can make it, you can make it. Have respect. Obey the warning signs. Have value in yourself. And don't give up. And the last thing: have courage. Here's my Bulldogs jersey. Number 99. <laughs> have courage to look adversity in the eye and say, Bring it on. And then run at it with everything inside of you. And then, if you do that, you too might be able to get to your dream. But I promise you, you can't get to those things unless you have one person in your life Jesus Christ. Would you do me a favor real quick? Would you just close your eyes where you're at? Just make a little personal time where you're at right now. I promised myself that I would never speak without sharing about Jesus Christ at the end. If you say, man, I need Jesus in my life. You know, it says in Romans 3.23, it says we've all messed up. We all made mistakes. We've all fallen. We all look like Max essentially when we come into this world. Broken, battered, abused. But the cool thing is, it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. First John 1, 9, you know how we receive Jesus? It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive our sins and purify us, make us white as snow, put the bear back together again. Take your pain and make it worse something. All we gotta do is say, Jesus, forgive me. So as I pray this, if this is you, would you just, if you want Jesus in your life, will you just say, that's me, to yourself? Just say, that's me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. That's me. Forgive me of my sins. I feel battered, abused, hurting, confused. And I need you, Jesus, to give me value, courage, and respect for myself so I can respect others. Forgive me, Jesus, and come into my life. That's me. That's me. That's me so I can go and help others in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, check this out as we close here. You know, I used to, like I said, I used to ask all the time, why me, why is my father abusive? My father, I'm 36 years old, he still, does, my father doesn't want anything to do with me. My brother's still a methamphetamine addict. My mom still has lupus, I take my wife and I take care of her. But get this, I can't change them, but the thing I can't change is me. God has used me to travel the world for the last 15 years sharing my story of pain and hurt with people to help them find wholeness themselves. I have three kids, <laughs> seven-year-old who I call Peaches, five-year-old, she is she's like a wild bull in a child in a closet, man, <laughs> so cute though. She just turned five and her name's Avery, I call her Sunshine. And my 18-month-old little boy, I call him Bear. He's either happy as a bear or angry as a bear. His name's Phoenix. But God gave me those kids. You know, my father used to tell me, one of these days you're going to be just like me, not me. The chain is broken, my man. The chain is broken, my sister. Never once have I raised a hand to one of my kids in anger. Never once have I mistreated my wife the way my father mistreated my mother. I'm faithful to my wife. We've been married for over 13 years. That's God's faithfulness right there. You don't believe in him? Come talk to me, because my whole life, he's the one person that remained the same. He was always there. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Obey the warning signs in life, okay? Okay. Don't, let, don't, don't stitch up your bear with the things of life. And lastly, look at, look at adversity and say, bring it on. Hey, last thing I want to do here. I want to do something because, do you guys enjoy this? I'm done right now, but did you guys enjoy this? You did? Then you guys are too kind. Appreciate that. I'm always afraid to say that because if you guys enjoy this, there's going to be some guy in the crowd be like, no, you're a stink, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> no, check this out. Hey, I wanna give a big shout out to CM Cares and the Church Mutual Insurance Company Foundation for partnering with Creation Festival Northeast for the first time, enabling us to share a message of hope, Dignity Revolution, enabling us to share a message of hope. So thank you, CM Cares Church Mutual Insurance Company. Without them, we would not be here today talking to you. I wouldn't be here. They're paying for me to be here, CM Cares Church Mutual. Thank you so much. Would you go stop by them and say hey? At the booth, where are they at again? Exhibitor's area. The booth, CM Cares, Church Mutual, Dignity Revolution will be there. Come say, hey, would you give a big hand to CM Cares and Church Mutual Foundation? Give a big hand for them. Thank you for supporting us to be able to come here and share with you. Hey, listen, somebody loves you. Somebody cares about you. Today, it's me. I love you. Jason Moppin loves you. Thank you so much. God bless.